Let me just pray before we look at the Bible and ask for God's help. Let's pray together. Father, we do thank you that you're a God of love who is intent on uh, changing us uh, from one degree of glory to another. Thank you that by your spirit you live inside those who trust in Jesus. And Father, we pray that by the power of your spirit this morning, uh, we would see Christ in a way that changes us. Father, pray uh, this morning that um, we would hear your word. uh, And that you would indeed enter every uh, trembling heart. Father, we, uh, we ask that that would be the case in uh, churches uh, in Camborne and churches across uh, the UK, across the world, uh, that you would be bringing your people to yourself, that you would be uh, changing your people to make them more like your son. We pray, Father, that that would be the case for the children that have just gone out. Father, pray that you'd have mercy on them. Pray uh, that you would open their eyes to see who Jesus is. Uh, and would they be people who you give the kingdom to? Pray this, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. What difference uh, does this make? What difference does this make? So you you drive away from here... or you, you, you may walk away from here on a Sunday, uh, as you get up on Monday morning, what do you do with what you've heard from the Bible? It, what difference does it make in your life? Uh, I guess we, we believe here at Christ Church Campbell that the Bible is God's word. It is, it is God himself speaking to us. question is, what, what, what difference does that make to us? You know, when, when you listen uh, to what is preached, when you, when you study uh, the Bible in a, in a smaller group, maybe you, you, you meet with somebody one-to-one, uh, perhaps you open the Bible and you read it for yourself during the week, what difference does God's, work, uh, God's word make in your life? I guess there are times, aren't there, where um, uh, we, we love to read the Bible. Uh, it seems alive to us, and, and what we hear from God bring, really does bring about genuine change in our lives. We, we read something, and, and we just genuinely love God more because of what we've read. And we love others more, and we put God's word into practice. But you see, if you're anything like me, that's just not always the, the case. You know, there'll be times where we, we just can't seem to engage with this. Yeah, it might be, even as you listen to me now, as you, as you listen to a, a, a sermon, or it might be as we read the Bible for ourselves, it just seems like words on a page. You know, a, a half of which we, we don't even take in. I guess there are always times like that. But there are other times, aren't there, where, where we do engage, where, where, where we know what the Bible says, where, where it's been revealed to us, and we choose to ignore it. 
not too long ago, I, I, had a, um, I had a fairly difficult time with a non-Christian uh, friend of mine um, who lives uh, some distance from here. Now, I won't go into the details, but something had happened, and uh, they were angry with me. Uh, that was clear. They were angry that I was a Christian. And uh, every time I spoke to this person, it seemed as if they just wanted to give me a, a really hard time. And at that point, I just found it easier to gradually stop contacting them. But you see, around that time, a certain command in the Bible kept coming up. I heard it again and again and again. I heard it in two separate sermons. Uh, I, I looked at it in a Bible study. Uh, I came across it in my own uh, quiet time. I couldn't get away from hearing this uh, command. It was Jesus telling his followers to love their enemy. And you see, there I am. On one hand, I I don't want anything to do with this person. I want to push this person as far away as I possibly can. I want it to run a mile. And it was really easy for me to do that. But as I'm doing that, this word is going around my head and my heart that I am to love my enemy. I knew it. I, I, I could hear it. And I wanted to ignore it. You see, I could hear it, but I didn't really hear it. That's just one example. I guess there are many more, aren't there? You know, we can hear what the Bible says about sacrifice. But our comfort is just more important to us. We, we, we can hear about what the Bible says about how amazing, how, how big God really is, but our possessions are, are more precious, more, more to us than, than, than God himself is. We can hear, and yet we don't really hear. What difference does God's word make? <clears throat> I guess the thing is, it's always making a difference. So even as I, even as, as I hear those words and I choose to ignore them and I don't, I don't want to act upon them, actually that in itself is doing something. I am responding to God's word in some way. So even when I open the Bible and I don't engage with it, even when I open the Bible and I hear it but I, I don't want to do it, that I, I, I am responding in some way is making a difference in my life. It is showing me something about myself. So the word of God is, is a bit like the sun. Uh, it comes out, not so much at, uh, here in the UK, but it does come out. Uh, and, um, you know, you don't get many of these here in Camborne, but you get a burning hot day. And you will see different things happen. So the tarmac on the, on the park begins to melt. And, and you might take your kids to the park and they step in the tarmac and it sticks to their shoes because it's so hot and the tarmac's melting. Whereas if you look around, the rendering on the houses around Camborne starts to crack. See, one thing starts to melt, one thing starts to crack. It's the same sun, it's out at the same time, it's providing the same heat, and yet the impact of that sun has a different impact on different materials. And it shows us, it simply shows us what those materials are. It shows us that the rendering is rendering as it cracks. It shows that the tarmac is tarmac as it melts. 
The same passage can be preached on a Sunday. One person will barely hear it. One person will choose to ignore it. One person will go away completely changed. There's nothing weird about the word of God at that point. Rather, the response shows us something about you. That's what we see in this passage this morning. Uh, we see it as Jesus teaches a parable. It's a parable, if you don't know, it's a story, it's a picture uh, that provides um, a way of, of Jesus to communicate a point. So he paints this picture for us, he wants to tell us the truth. And he teaches this parable at a time in Mark's Gospel that is all about the kingdom of God. That's what we've seen in Mark's Gospel. Jesus is the king. He brings God's kingdom. And last week we saw that some people are in the, in the kingdom okay, and some people are outside the kingdom. Those who are in, last week we saw, have wonderfully been rescued by Jesus. He's taken them for himself. He's brought them into God's family and now they long to do his will. This week... We see that to do God's will is to respond to God's word. To do God's will is to respond to God's word in a particular way. Those who have been given the kingdom, those who are in, will respond to God's word in a particular way. It will do a work in you. Those who are out they will also respond, but they'll respond in a way that's completely different. And so the question is, well, how do we respond? You know, when we open up the Bible, what difference does it make to us? Because that will tell us something about where we stand. Three things for us to see as Jesus goes teaching this parable. He teaches the parable, three things to see. Firstly, his intention. The intention of the parable is the first thing we see. So Jesus is beside a lake, and he begins to teach. And as he does so, as we've seen in Mark's Gospel, what happens, uh, you who have been here regularly will know what happens, a crowd comes to him. Okay, this is is normal. Just have a look at verse 1 of chapter 4. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake, Uh, The crowd that gathered round him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. Now what's important to see at that point is that Jesus is on his own in the boat out on the lake. Okay, so the crowd kind of stepped into a boat. He's on his own. Now Jesus' followers... We know this from later. Jesus follows on the water's edge. They are there hearing what's what's been said, but so are a whole load of other people. Okay, you've come to hear him. So you have a mix of people on the side listening to Jesus speaking from the boat. And and what does he do? He teaches them a parable. Let's have a look at it from verse uh, two. Uh, he He taught them many things by parables, and in his teaching said, listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he, scat- uh, as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came up and ate it. Uh, uh, sorry, came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came, uh, the plants were scorched, 
and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell along among thorns, which, which grew up and choked the plants, so that it did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. So you see, Jesus paints this picture, and it's a picture of a farmer who is scattering this seed. And he scatters it, he, as he throws it out there, it falls on different places. So you see some on the path, some on rocky places, some amongst thorns, some amongst good soil. And different things happen depending on where it lands. Uh, some is, is taken away, some seed is scorched, some choked. Uh, the seed on the good soil, that where that grows, it produces a crop. Now that's how the parable is finished. He just, he stops there. And with that, Jesus then makes the intention of his parable of what he's just said, really clear. Have a look at verse 9. Then Jesus said, Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. What he means is not that they are simply to register that Jesus has just spoken. It's not just a kind of a surface hearing. I, I, you know, it's not just a, I hear your words. Rather, his intention when he says that is for them to understand and apply his word. For it to do something in their lives. It's to make a difference continuously. If they understand what he is saying, he is to, they are to act upon it. Those who have ears to hear, let them hear. You know, it's, it's, it, that, that's what he means by hearing. It's, it's, like, a, it's like a parent-toddler type, type thing, you know. It, you must have seen this or experienced it either way. You know, the, the parent gives the toddler some instruction. Uh, you know, so he says, the parent says to the toddler, come to me, uh, come to me. Now, the, the toddler can physically hear the word. They, they, he, he, he can hear what's going on, but he doesn't act. The toddler just you know, carries on playing or whatever it is. Uh, at which point, the parent says, Look, can you hear me? Can you, can, you, can you hear me? Listen. It doesn't mean, doesn't mean, you know, switch on to what I'm saying. It means act upon what I'm saying. Do what I'm saying. Apply what I'm saying. That's Jesus' intention. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Let them do something with this. Now, look, that's the great thing about this book. Yeah, it is not, this is not like, I don't know if you've ever opened the Bible before, this is not like a novel that's just enjoyable to read. It's not a biography where you learn some interesting facts about somebody. Uh, this, the intention of this book, the intention of Jesus' words, is that they change you, is that they are relevant for your daily life. The intention is when you hear God's voice, when you hear Jesus' voice, it causes you to act that's why here at um, Christchurch Campbell we, we have some we have a, a, a like a midweek uh, meeting, and the focus of that is to apply what we read in the Bible, not simply to understand it. Yeah, our aim is to not just to hear the words that are spoken, but 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 to hear God, to apply His voice to our lives. Thing is, though, 
That's really difficult to do at this point, isn't it? You know, Jesus has just finished his parable. He, he leaves it there. He, he, he paints his picture and he leaves it there for the people to apply. But the crowd don't know what he's talking about. You know, what, what, what does this picture even mean? Now, some of you sitting there will think, oh, I know what it means. But that's only because you've read the rest of the passage. You know, put yourself in these guys' shoes for a moment. They haven't got a clue what this picture means. And if, we, if, if this is all we had, we, we, we wouldn't either. Uh, we, we wouldn't know. So how do you hear this? How do you apply it? Well, the question is, why, why would Jesus do that? Why would he leave it just there? Why would he speak a parable and then just leave it hanging and yet saying, you need to do something with this? Why would he do that if his intention is for us to change? Well, Jesus goes on to tell us exactly why. He explains the purpose of the parable, explains why he's taught in that way. This is the second thing we see this morning. We've seen the intention for us to hear. Now, here's the purpose. Why has he just done that? The purpose of the parable. Purpose of the parable, the second thing we see. Remember, at this point, there's a mix of people on the shore. Uh, the crowd is now gone. Okay, so there was this mix of his followers and the other people, but they've now gone. And Jesus has come out of the boat, and he's now alone with his disciples, uh, we, 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 you know, we're not sure what the crowd thought of what he just said, but his followers are clearly confused. Have a look at verse 10. When he was alone, the 12 and others around him asked him about the parables. They want to know. They're asking him about what he's just said. They don't get it. What does this mean? How are we supposed to apply this? And before telling them what it means, Jesus recognises that in that crowd that he was speaking to, there are actually two groups of people. Just have a look at verse 11. He told them, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables. See, there are those who are around Jesus at this point, those who are following him, and what does he say to them? He said, to you, you have been given the secret of the kingdom of God. Now, that's nothing mystical or, or magical. That's not what he means by secret. It's simply something that was hidden and has now been revealed uh, to them in Jesus' coming. It was given to them as they have come to him. They are on the inside, if you like. They are, they are on the inside of the kingdom. And it's for those on the outside those who have not been given the kingdom, those who are, uh, are not part of the kingdom, that's who Jesus teaches the parable for. You know, he's told this story and he's left it as it is for the outsiders. And in verse 12, we're told the reason why. Here is the purpose of the parable. Look at, look at verse 12. So that the people on the outside, so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving and ever hearing, but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. That, that is a shocking thing to read. Do you see, that the purpose of the parable is that whilst those on the outside would hear, they would never really hear. It, the purpose is for those on the outside 
to be kept on the outside. I, is that not shocking? Because we, we, we think of parables in such a different way, don't we? So we think, oh, there, there this lovely, there's this lovely picture that, that Jesus holds up and people look into this parable and they, they can catch a glimpse of the kingdom of God and how wonderful it is. But Jesus says, no, look, this is not a window that I'm holding up to you. It's not for you to see the kingdom of God. It's a closed door to keep you out. That's the purpose of Jesus teaching the parable. Now look, let me just say, that does not make Jesus some kind of monster. It does not mean that people are without hope. The fact is that, you know, just as we've sung this morning, Jesus died so that anyone and everyone may be able to come into the kingdom by turning to him, by trusting the king. And here is a reality that some people will just never, ever do that. Even in this room, people will never, ever do that. Jesus quotes Isaiah 6, Isaiah, a prophet who was told to take the good news of God to, to a people who would hear it, who would hear what he's saying and yet never turn to God. And just like the outsiders here, they are kept outside because they see Jesus and they hear Jesus. The kingdom is right in front of them. Forgiveness is right there for them to take and yet they will never, ever turn to him. Yeah, as the parables are taught, their failure to understand shows their rejection of Christ. It's like the sun, isn't it? You know, the, 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 the sun shows what is render and what is tarmac. Some people crack, some people melt. It shows, as they're taught, it shows that they're on the outside because as long as they, they see Christ and yet they'll never come in, They'll never come to him. Just shows they're on the outside. Now look, just as a brief aside, that there's an encouragement there for us, isn't there? That as we go out, as, as we go out to seek to share the gospel to others, we never fail in doing that. So you proclaim the gospel to somebody. God's word is always, always working, even if somebody just completely rejects what you say. Even if it's in judgment, God is working to keep that person on the outside, revealing to you that they are never going to come into kingdom, revealing to you that they're rejecting Christ. That's an encouragement that you never fail. When you proclaim the gospel, it's never, ever a failure. God is always at work. Now, the contrast, of course, is that the kingdom of God is given to those who have come to Christ, those around him. And it's to those people that Jesus explains the meaning of the parable. We, we, we understand Jesus' teaching by coming to Jesus. It's these people who, who he explains the meaning to. So what does he say? Well, the third thing we see this morning is the meaning. Uh, the meaning of the parable. So Jesus explained the purpose speaking of, of him speaking in parables, but recognises in verse 13 that even those who are with him still don't understand. He says, don't you understand this parable? 
Uh, and therefore, he explains it to them. He explains the meaning to them, to those who are with him. It's those who have come to him who he now gives ears to hear. So what does it mean? Well, verse 14, he says, the farmer sows the word. You see, the seed that the farmer is scattering is the word of God. So it's more general than, than, than just Jesus teaching in parables. The, the gospel is thrown out. The word of God is thrown out. And, and the different ground that it lands on represents different people who respond differently to the word sown in them. You see, the meaning of the parable is just really expansion on the purpose. It shows us what it's like to be hearing but never really hearing. It shows us what it looks like to be given the kingdom of God. And what is really clear is that that is never straightforward. So it's never as simple as the word going out and being met with straight rejection or straight acceptance. There are other factors involved. And we see four main responses. Just have a look at them uh, briefly. Um, four main responses is, is the word is thrown out. What do people do with it? Have a look at verse 15. Uh, verse 15. Some people are like the seed along the path where the word is sown. As, as soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. See, some people will hear the gospel, they'll hear it, yet it is in one ear and out the other. Because it's taken away from them almost as soon as it lands. Some people will be told the gospel, uh, sorry, others, uh, others, have a look at verse 16, others like seed sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no roots, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Now, I guess the one question to ask ourselves would be, look, if we're here this morning and we say we follow Jesus if we haven't yet experienced any kind of trouble or persecution because of the gospel, what will we do when it comes? Notice Jesus uses the word when in verse 17, not if. What will we do? What will we do with an enemy that we don't want to love? You know, will we be people who give up easily for want of an easy life? The, the way our culture is going, that, that is a really good question to be thinking about. I guess, though, we, we identify more, though, don't we, more closely with, with, with what's going on in verse 18. Have a look at that. Still others, like seed sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. 
See, we hear the word, and yet it never does anything. That we never change. Because we think that living for the things that surround us is more important than living for God. Our concern is our, our work and our home and our car and our holiday. We, we, we chase wealth because we think it will make us happy and we, we desire anything but God. I guess the, the slightly worrying thing is that those three types of ground that we've just seen, including the last one, are marks of people that are outside of the kingdom. You know, that's really obvious throughout the text. They hear, but, they hear, but, they hear, but. You know, they hear, it has some initial impact, but they never really hear. It never actually does anything. It's empty, it's superficial. The word lands, but it doesn't grow. And in doing nothing, the word reveals that they are outside of the kingdom. They don't really have ears to hear. Which means, of course, it's possible for you to be here this morning and to say, yes, I hear this, yes, I, I can hear you talking. Yes, I get the gospel. Yes, I'm a Christian. It's possible for you to say that. It's possible to come here and do and say all the right things. And yet, as you search your head and your heart, you find yourself on the outside Those on the inside are those in verse 20. Let's have a look at verse uh, 20. Others, like seed sown on good soil, they hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, some 30, some 60, some 100 times what is sown. You see, it's those who produce a crop, those who are fruitful, those who change as a result of the word, those who long to share the secret of the kingdom with other people. Over time, there's real change in your life because you keep on hearing and 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 you keep on hearing the word. You hear it, you perceive it, you understand it. You keep changing. That's the difference. This means something to you. That is the mark of someone who has been given the kingdom. That is the mark of somebody who's come to Christ. Those are the ones that Jesus intends to hear his words, who have come to him. Those are the ones with ears to hear. Those who are fruitful. And so you see, the real question for us this morning is not so much what do we do with this, but have we come to Jesus Christ? Because when we treasure a relationship with him, more than anything else, that is when the word bears fruit in our lives. That that is when we long to do the will of God according to the, the, the word of God. Now, for some of us here, that will be your life this morning. You know, it won't be perfect. I, it, you know, we, we, we've got to be realistic. Your life won't be perfect, but there will be progress. 
And you'll go away and you'll think, I need, I need to do something with this. I need this word in my heart. If that's you this morning, praise God. You know, praise God that you want to grow and you want to change. Praise God that the word is working in you and changing in you. Praise God that you've been given the kingdom of God and that you know Jesus the King. Praise God for that. But if you're here this morning and you, 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 know, you look at your life and you see yourself choking at the desire for other things and the, the deceitfulness of wealth, if that is what is more important, your home, your car, your holiday, if you see no fruit, no change, you don't need to go from here and try harder. You don't need to go from here and feel really bad and beat yourself up. What you need is to turn back to Christ. You need to turn to Jesus who grants forgiveness and grants you the kingdom. You know, when I realise that I hear love your enemy, but I never really hear it, what do I do? I, I need to turn back to the one who loves me. I need to turn back to Jesus and hear what he says and keep on hearing it and keep on hearing it. Let's pray together. Father, we uh, just we come to you this morning and we recognise that we've just heard you speak. We've just heard your word. Father, please give us ears to hear. Give us ears to, to act upon what, what, what you've just said to us. Father, to turn to your son, Jesus, and to listen to him and to do what he says. Father, we, we pray that we would be people who show themselves to be part of your kingdom, who delight to do the will of God. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, um, <clears throat> we have just a couple of uh, minutes to kind of talk about what we've just heard. And... Um, um, you, entirely up to you whether if you're on a table on your own you might want to go and join somebody and talk uh, if uh, you um, would rather just sit on your own that's absolutely fine um, if you want to talk to somebody but not necessarily about what you've just heard about something else that's absolutely fine as well um, feel free and then we we will what we'll do is we'll have a just a brief discussion time again you say what you like or ask a question whatever whatever question you like uh, but again, if you don't want to ask anything, that's absolutely fine as well. Um, so let's just have a couple. Let's just take a couple of minutes, and then we'll have um, uh, questions and discussion. Okay. For it. Okay. Uh, let's just uh, kind of come back together briefly. Um, any anything at all? Any any anything that anybody wants to say or add to what's been said, or ask anything at all. Go on, Richard.
Uh, yep. Yeah. Yeah, so it seems, Richard, that it's kind of two parts to your question. One is, um, if I see myself in verse 19, is there assurance for me? Um, the other part of the question seems to be, um, if the, the, the things in verse 19 are clearly part of our everyday life, and so how do we, uh, how, how, do, how do we, you know, how are we somebody who's actually verse 20? Is that right? Am I right in perceiving that question? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so firstly, let me deal with the... If you see yourself in um, uh, verse 19, uh, sorry, verse uh, 19 or uh, verse um, uh, 17 even, um, and you're troubled by that, be assured... So the, the person who is, who is absolutely not troubled at that point, who is not asking that question, yikes, I, you know, I, I see myself there, um, what do I do? Somebody who's not asking, I, I would say that's more worrying. If you see yourself and you think, that's me, I, I am somebody who worries about this life, who, 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 who chases the deceitfulness of wealth and desires other things and actually it means that so often I'm unfruitful with the word of God. If that's you and that troubles you, it probably means that you're inside the kingdom. That's why it's troubling you. Because you know that actually you should love Jesus more than those things. At which point I would say, you know, be assured and turn back to Jesus. Turn back to Christ. So don't, don't go from here thinking, oh, I'm terrible I've got to try really hard to be fruitful. No, no, no. Turn back to Jesus, who gives you the kingdom, who grants you forgiveness, and you will desire to be fruitful for him. Now, my aim in, in, the, kind of, in the introduction of the talk was to kind of make the point, look, our lives are all over the place. So there will be times where actually we, are being, we, we seemingly are, are kind of choked by the word. You know, we, we, uh, sorry, choked by the, 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 these other things, the, where the word is not bearing fruit. There will be times in our Christian lives where that seems to happen. And I think as soon as you realise that, you've got to you turn back to Jesus and you turn back to Jesus and you keep turning back to Jesus. That, that's the point. The, verse 20, the hearing is a continuous hearing. It's an ongoing, I want to turn to Christ. I want to do his will. I want to hear his words. I want to put them into practice again and again and again and again. It's an ongoing lifelong thing um, uh, and so I think even though these things are, are, are present around us and sometimes we can be sucked into them just keep, keep turning back to Christ uh, and you will long to do 
you'll long to do something with his word and his word will work in you because you desire his relationship. You know, that relationship is more precious than anything um, when you turn back to him. Does that help at all? Is there there anything you want to add or do you want to come back? Yeah. Um, Okay. Any, Any other questions or thoughts or comments? Go on, Jimmy. Um, it strikes me there's something that you mentioned about um, persecution and challenges. Yeah. Up. And it strikes me that having our roots and continuously working on them, yeah. deepen our roots, is very important. Mm. Um, the reason why I say that is I was just thinking about disciples before, just when Jesus was being persecuted, and a lot of them were falling by the wayside. Right? Mm. But then after Jesus, you know, came back and they saw him and all that evidence. When the persecution actually came, mm. they were thrown into prison and they were singing and dancing. Mm. Everyone was amazed. Why? What had changed is because their roots had grown. Yeah. So I just wanted to emphasize that point. That, that, uh, that's brilliant. Thank you very much. Um, you're, you're absolutely right. And actually, we, we, should, we should take comfort from that. So I think Jimmy, well, Jimmy's making the point that in the gospel, um, Jesus is taken away to be crucified and you'll see Peter run a mile. And he, he looks like somebody who is in, um, who, who is verse uh, um, 17. He looks like somebody when trouble persecution comes, um, that, that, you know, that's him, he's fallen away. And yet, after that, you see those same apostles, you see Peter himself enduring persecution, um, you know, having turned back to Christ having received his spirit, and I've actually been so rooted in Christ that despite the worst uh, persecution, he, he, is, um, he is proclaiming Jesus boldly. That's what you see throughout Acts. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it's, um, yeah, you're right. It's all about being rooted in him. Um, that's great. Thank, thanks for that, Jimmy. That's, that's brilliant. Um, go on, Megan. Yeah, that's a really good question. Uh, what is the crop? What does the crop look like? Um, so I, I think um, there is uh, an inevitability about um, multiplication, as in you, you uh, somebody who's received the kingdom of God then proclaims the kingdom of God or proclaims the gospel to others. So your crop looks like people around you coming to know Jesus. Um, I think, you know, so fruitfulness looks like desiring and telling others the gospel and actually seeing that happen, you know, seeing people come to Christ, uh, God working through you in that way. Um, I think the other thing is that it does, it does mean personal growth in godliness and an ongoing growth in godliness. Um, now, what uh, I was, you know, briefly kind of said was that does not mean perfection. So you're not, you know, you won't go away from a sermon suddenly be the perfect godly person. I think what you, what you need to look for is over time, as you look back on your life, are you trusting more God more today? Are you more like Jesus today than you were two years ago? Uh, I think that's the kind of, that's the crop that you, that you see. It's, a, it's an ongoing growth. Um, and yeah, um, that's, that's partly what we'll see next week, uh, a, a growth in, in God's kingdom. Um, does, it, does that help? Yeah. Anything else?
Oh, sorry, Tal. I didn't see your hand up there. Tal. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, thanks, Tao. So, what, what, so for the recording, what Tao is saying is, look, the, um, the verses there in the middle from, that are quoted from Isaiah, verse 12 particularly, um, it clearly divides um, the kingdom. So he, Jesus holds out the truth. Some people will never come to him. Some people will, will, will always be rejecting that truth, never really hearing what he's saying. And the implication is that actually... We don't need to um, dress things up in a way that we duck the truth. We just need to proclaim the truth and God's work will be done. Uh, and that's really helpful, Tao. If I could just say just a, 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 something on the language of persuasion. So it's interesting that, um, again, in the book of Acts, Paul always constantly uses the, that language. So he, says, uh, he, he talks about persuading people, talks about um, persuading them but persuading them of the truth. So there is some kind of persuasion to be done. And I think uh, in today's culture, that is a long-term, ongoing thing um, that is done in relationship. So, so you, 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 you know, to, to just meet somebody and just tell them the gospel, um, I don't, you know, this, this culture where, where people are, uh, um, you know, are kind of wary of authority, um, I don't think that's necessarily going to work. There is some persuading to be done, as in you need to convince them that actually you have their interests at heart, that you love them, that you are, um, there's a difference in your life because you follow Jesus. And all the time you're kind of persuading them of a different worldview, of a different way of life. Um, but you're right, Tao, in that you, you need to proclaim the truth. So you persuade them of the truth. You don't persuade them of something that is not true. Um, you know, uh, so you, yeah, I mean, that, that, that's very helpful. And, and people will do something with that. They'll either reject you for it or they will come to, to Christ and, and God's work will be done. Um, yeah, that's very helpful. Thanks.